Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. A lot of surprises in this song. But I got to tell you, and this was not part of the sermon, the biggest surprise of all in this song that it happens to be one of Rob Brown's favorites. <laughs> I come in, and Rob's like, yeah, I know that song, and do you know all this about the song? I'm like, do you want to do the sermon this morning? <laughs> he knows everything about this song, Rob. I was so happy that you and I connected over this song. But it has something for everyone, I suspect, and it has something for everyone to hate, which kind of makes me laugh a little bit. Because this song refuses to follow the rules for any particular genre, and that is its genius. It's got a little bit of electronic dance music, EDM. It's got bluegrass. It's got country. I mean, I love the video. It has these Western themes in the middle of this very European dance number. All right, brass band going on in there. It's all there. And whether you like this song or not, I hope that you can appreciate the skill it takes to take all these different things and weave them into something coherent at all. But perhaps the genius is most is clearly defined by the two people who are most responsible for this tune, the artist and the singer. You might have thought that was Avicii singing. It was not. The person who put the song together, of course, his stage name is Avicii. His actual name was Tim Bergling. He's one of the most popular dance music producers ever. Hailed from Sweden and looks every bit his Swedish heritage, including mostly his sweaters and his backwards hats. And his story is quintessentially 21st century. He began crafting his tunes on a laptop. Okay, he used pirated software. He distributed music via MySpace, which I didn't think he was old enough to be using MySpace, but nevertheless. He experimented, watched his music grow slowly and surely, and from there became one of the biggest names in pop music. But that, like I said, that is not burgling singing. And I wonder if anyone recognized the tune of the, uh, recognized the voice of the person who was singing. Oh, good. Because I didn't either until I looked it up and discovered that that is one of America's most recognized bluegrass singers. Not country, bluegrass singers, Dan Tyminski. Perhaps best known, he is the one who sang Man of Constant Sorrows on Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Let that sink in for a minute. You don't even have to like, oh, brother, where art thou? I happen to. I'm like, wait a second. The guy who sang that is singing with Avicii. Yes. His bluegrass credentials are pristine. Let's put it this way. He was touring with Alison Krauss. And if you know anything about bluegrass, that's all you need to know. Once you've hit that, you are among America's best. And as one critic wrote of Tyminski, said his voice is an earthy American tone, more chest-warming than a shot of Jim Beam. And that made me smile. So what do we have? We have a Swedish EDM teen, an American bluegrass baritone, country overtones with, again, these bright brass interludes, making this one of the most compelling and risky dance songs of when it came out in 2013. Why does this song work? Well, I have a hunch. It's just a theory. But my hunch is that this song reflects a lot of who we are. None of us are the product of a single stream of thought, a single way of being, or a single influence. None of us are that. None of us are, have simply had this boxed-up heritage that is given to us, and then finally that's all, and ever, that's all who we ever are. 
Friends, our entire lives are a collaboration, borrowing from here and there in the efforts to make a life. It starts with us biologically. Our DNA shows us to be far more biologically diverse than we ever thought. And all of a sudden, everybody's doing, uh, was it 23 and me, and we're all checking out our DNA and discovering we come from all over. We receive, we have family that we are given, of course, and then we all have family that we choose. We receive wisdom and education from a variety of sources. As much wisdom is transferred in college dorm rooms as it is in college laboratories. I am convinced of this. Even our faith, if it's healthy, I think, isn't a single stream of thought. Our faith flows from many, many sources, and that is only becoming more obvious as we are exposed to more. Very few of us only and ever sort of participate in a single entity, a single, uh, a single family of faith. This is how we work. This is how we are built. And this is how culture works. This is how culture works well. And most of our great work, most of the, most of the beautiful things that we've ever produced from ancient Greece and Rome and how much they owed to the ancient Egyptians and Persians to Jack White and Avicii, and to the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. All of us borrow, we create, we absorb, we transform, we reimagine. This is what we do. That's how we grow. And that's how our faith works as well. Yes, St. Paul said, I carry within me this death of Christ. And elsewhere he says, for I am crucified with Christ. Yes, we are constantly laying down our lives. Of course that's true. But what God does is that he picks up those pieces and uses them in the act of resurrection. Breathing new life into who and what we are. Adding goodness and beauty and truth as we go deeper in the mystery of Christ all the time. Our faith and our very person is a collaboration, it's growth. It invites many, many sources to be who we truly are called to be. A lot like EDM. But in the entirety of my adulthood and perhaps yours as well, I'll let you speak for your own life, this kind of collaboration, this openness to many, many sources, this idea that we are formed and we are, we are a soup that gets created as we add ingredients, this kind of collaboration has found, for me, is in shorter supply. And if there is a threat to our culture, it is, because, it is the demand for ideological, political, cultural purity. And in doing so, when we seek that, we often shed the extravagant and beautiful diversity that continues to create us and recreate us. When we demand purity, when we put up boundaries, when it's us versus them, when it's single stream input, we will certainly, friends, fall into idolatry. We make an idol of those things. When we have something more important than God shaping us and we say, this is the only place that God can be, will those boundaries become God? And you know what's always true about idols? What's always been true about idols from the early days of the Israelites to us is that we form idols and then our idols form us. Idols don't move. Idols don't grow. They box us in and we find ourselves not growing and not moving. We become stuck, rigid, and stagnant just like the boring idols we worship. But our God, in contrast, our God is living and active. Paul says that we are moving from glory to glory. And so the way towards health, growth, and life is always going to be through change, development, and transformation. And so from the pen of one Swedish 20-something 
to the German church in a little town in Maryland, alongside, delivered by the baritone of American blues-ass icon, comes the call. Hey, brother, there's an endless road to rediscover. This isn't just a good idea. It's not just a warm thought. It is essential to our faith and to the ancient project that we call the church to jettison our idols and grow. Well, how? How are we going to grow? How are we going to discover, rediscover this collaboration that is our souls? Well, I suggest, and I love this language from Avicii. I love how he uses this. Such, such powerful words in a single word. He uses the language of, hey, brother, hey, sister. That language, repeated over and over again, stands out in this song, and I believe it is orienting for us. Because the only change we'll be able to make in the world it's not by screaming at the people on the other side. And I'm here to tell you, the world has enough noise pollution. The last thing we need is people screaming at people on the other side. Because those with whom we disagree, those with whom we struggle, those whom we see the world differently, they are unlikely to hear us, even if we're making a good faith argument. They are unlikely to hear us in the best of times. They are completely unable to hear it in these times. As long as we view the world, us versus them, as long as we view the world along the lines of ideological purity, there can be no change. The only place, friends, that we ever have influence, the only place where change is even possible, is with those with whom we will have a relationship. Let me say that again. The only place we ever have influence is with those with whom we will have a relationship. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. This is why the Christian church has used these words to describe our relationships to one another for millennia. You are my brother. You are my sister. I am your brother. Because it's always been about relationship. Because relationship is the only place that change happens, where growth happens. The work then is always to bring more people into the circles that we will use the titles brother and sister. Why? Because water's sweet, but blood is thicker. Blood is thicker. When we are family, that is what matters more than anything else. Jesus says this himself. He says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all things to myself. And in doing so, he references the cross. He says, in my blood, I will draw all people to myself. He says, I will draw everything. I will bring you into relationship through my blood. And in that blood, we are able to see and to discern a deeper connection than politics or theology or whatever other ology we want to put out there. And in this way, Jesus serves. If you'll allow me to throw in a reference, like, whoa, where'd that come from? Jesus serves as kind of a star of Bethlehem. This curious appearance that invites us on a journey that will change us. We go on a journey uncertain of where it is we are headed, but we go on the journey that ultimately will transform us, as all good pilgrimages do. As we journey towards Christ, towards this North Star, we will invariably journey towards one another. As we journey towards Christ, we will invariably journey towards one another. Hey, sister, do you still believe in love? I wonder. I don't hear that as accusatory from Avicii. I hear it inviting us to ask ourselves. I wonder if we actually still believe in love. Because we cannot follow Christ. We cannot pray. We cannot give. We cannot sacrifice. We cannot proclaim 
unless we are willing to see one another as brother and sister. And that love leads us to a statement and to a commitment. There is nothing in this world I wouldn't do. And when I heard those words from Avicii, I thought, you know what? Nothing you wouldn't do. I want to be that guy. I'm not that guy, but I want to be that guy. I'm not right now because when there's nothing in this world I wouldn't do, I want to be able to throw myself into life for other people. But you know what? I'm not there yet. I've got commitments and I've got responsibilities and I've got a calendar and I've got a job that often leaves me saying, well, I'd love to. I'd love to help you out, but... But you know what? Deep deal inside of me, I still want to be that guy. And I have a hunch that you do too. But I want to be the guy that says there's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. And I bet you do too. I bet we love the thought of it even if the practicality of that becomes difficult. And so when I need to be uprooted, motivated, and re-energized, I turn to one of my favorite stories in the New Testament about a couple of unnamed guys who can actually say there is nothing in this world I wouldn't do, and it is these four guys who tear the roof off. A couple of guys come to Jesus carrying this paralytic on the mat, and there's there's such a big crowd they can't get in the door. You and me be like, look, bud, I'd love to help you out, but that's, you know, the crowd, you know, we didn't get a ticket. Maybe we'll try next week. Maybe he's got a show next week. Maybe we'll come by and check it out then. (laughs) These guys are like, yeah, right. They can't get to Jesus, and so they go up on the roof. I'd love to imagine this, like standing inside, like, what are those guys doing? You just hear them going up the roof, and then you hear something scratching on the roof, and like, that's either a squirrel or those guys are really up to something. And before you know it, here comes this mat down through the ceiling. Like, what? Huh? Really? And they let him down, and they lay him right before Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. I imagine he looks at the paralytic, and he's got to go like, you know, what are you guys doing up there? And, Jesus, and it tell, the scriptures say, when he saw their faith, all of them, not just the man on the mat, all of them, when he sees this guy's faith to be lowered down by his buddies, and he sees those guys up there who were willing to tear the roof off of someone else's house to let their guy down, it says, when he saw their faith, and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. I am deeply moved by the guys who are on the roof. Deeply moved by the guys who are on the roof. Because it reminds me, friends, that faith can be carried by others. We don't have to always carry our own faith. It can be carried by someone else. How often, friends, has your faith been carried by somebody else? How often has it been someone else's prayers who held you in a time where you could not pray? How often has it been the generosity of somebody else who, helped, who held you as you were in pain and suffering? And have you ever carried the faith of another? Of course you have. And so, friends, I am moved by this as I am motivated. What would it look like for me to continue to carry the faith of another? And I do what I can. Hey, brother, hey, sister, there's nothing for you I wouldn't do. I can't do that perfectly yet, but I can sure learn how to do it better. And I wonder what it would look like for a congregation to constantly be wondering evermore, who are our brothers, who are our sisters, and how can we carry the faith of a community? What would it look like for a congregation to finally and fully say, there's nothing, literally nothing in the world I wouldn't do, including tear the roof off. Now, don't hear that wrong. But I cannot carry the one whom I do not see as my brother. And so, friends, I want to encourage you that we have not yet exhausted the power of love that Avicii sings about. We have not yet discovered how service to the community can actually change a community. We have not yet discovered how a small group can lower someone to Jesus. 
We have not yet fully discovered the power of worship and singing for strength and for courage. We have not yet discovered the power of a simple prayerless to make present the peace and healing of God to those who are suffering. We have not yet exhausted faith. And so I want to be that guy, the one who carries my brother's faith, my sister's faith, from the call to worship to the benediction. And I want to be the person whose vision of who my brother is and who my sister is is always getting bigger so that I can carry them too to the point that I am able and to the point that God gives me grace. And I want to be the guy who, though unnamed, has his friends out going out glorifying God. I want to be the guy on the roof who watches my buddy get up and go dancing out into the streets. And let me be clear about this. We land this plane. This man did not go out singing Amazing Grace. I love Amazing Grace. But he didn't go out singing a simple tune. This man went out dancing. His feet and legs worked again. His whole life was changed. He didn't walk out of there going, that was a heck of a thing. He went out dancing. His mind and his heart were not enough to express the joy that was in his soul. And that is the point and purpose of dance music. The people of God have always danced on the backside of love. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. I'm always moved by the reading. When we read the story, when the Ark of the Covenant, after it had been lost, was brought back into the city of Jerusalem. And, while, and they're doing it very liturgically. Liturgy and dance are not opposed to one another. They're doing it very liturgically. It says, the guys carrying the Ark, because it was super special, would go like six steps and stop. And then they would go like another six and stop. And then they would say prayers and the people would do stuff. Slowly and surely, they're like, go and stop. Very liturgical. And David's like, (laughs) this liturgy cannot contain all of it. It's important, but it cannot contain how David felt. And it said that David stripped down to what in the world is a linen ephod. I don't even know what that is. Sounds like underwear to me. He strips down to a linen ephod and says, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Jerusalem were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Yes, they had trumpets for their EDM as they're bringing in the ark of the covenant way back in ancient Israel. We've always danced on the backside of God's presence and God's love. So someone who pushed away dancing in the presence of God, Frederick Nietzsche, Nietzsche, a philosopher who I believe so badly wanted to be a Christian and couldn't get there. Nevertheless, he saw this when he said, those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. Those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. In a world where everyone pops in their AirPods and listens to a single stream of culture, who practices the ideology of purity and boundaries, The church at its best will hear the music of a thousand tunes and she will learn to dance to all of them. We will dance in the face of hopelessness. We will dance in the face of division. We will dance in the void of empathy. We will dance because we see a world, not of enemies, but of partners. And maybe we'll be so bold as to ask one person after another, may we have this dance? May I carry faith for you May I invite you to hear the music to which we dance, which is, yes, obscured by the world, but as real as anything. And can I invite you to dance with us? Only when we have heard one another and seen one another as brother and sister and we recommit to rediscovering the goodness of the gospel to which we are pledged, 
and recommit to love our neighbors and demonstrate compassion. Only then, friends, we will dance. And yes, we will dance. 